Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this 22nd edition of Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust where we discuss all things media. I'm your host, Gwen Lister. Today, my guest is Paul McNally of Volume Africa, which is innovating around podcasting on the continent, and it's this topic that will be our focus today. Is it elitist? Is it taking off in Africa? And if so, who's listening? Please note, this conversation with Paul formed part of the NMT's online Future of Journalism Education in Africa conference that took place in December last year. It's an important discussion to have for those thinking about going into podcasting and the role of legacy media in adapting to and adopting this medium as part of their news bouquet and or to supplement their survival strategies. I'd like to think there's a future in podcasting, but I'm not entirely convinced, unless we piggyback perhaps on things like other media like radio. But according to Juan Ifra, podcasts are a rare point of growth in the current media landscape, which are valued for convenience, intimacy, and choice. But is podcasting not an elitist medium? How does one reach a larger audience who likely still stuck to their radios? According to surveys, most people don't have a clear idea of what podcasts are. So maybe I could put Paul on the spot and ask him just to start with the basics. What is a podcast? And why should people tune into this medium rather than radio, for example? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Gwen. It's really good to be here. Um, I guess there's an interesting kind of evolution of what a podcast has been, especially in a place like South Africa, is that initially it was just chopped up pieces of radio that people just put online, right? And I think that kind of muddied the waters a little bit and made people a little bit unsure of what a podcast really is. And they were kind of like left a bit perplexed thinking like, why should I be listening? I mean, it's it's convenient to kind of, if I missed something, but when radio is a constant um, and it's always producing new content, I don't, know, I don't know if there's much use going back to old bits of radio and listening to them. So I think... That was initially what um, was known as a podcast here, and I think in a number of countries. Um, but to me, like what a podcast is, is something that can can take on a completely different format to radio, and is not really linked to the kind of um, you know maybe some of the mandate that radio has to do, like time checks and travel checks and weather checks and and news right. on the hour. I mean, it also takes on the opportunity to do long form investigations like we've seen Correct. with like breakouts like serial which you would never be able to put on radio well i mean you would you would very rarely maybe something like the world service might break up a documentary into several parts but most radio stations that are having to service um their advertisers wouldn't be able to put on like an eight hour documentary so i think that that's the one side of it there's also a, a, an ability to kind of play with formats you know we see like some podcasts that have like a four-hour interview which right. kind of blows out the water this idea that everything has to be two minutes long and everything has to be short and sharp you know some of the most successful podcasts are these ridiculously long in-depth interviews with celebrities and scientists and things like that so i think it's kind of a 
you know, like a lot of the internet and digital, it's kind of, there's a sense of freedom, but there's also like strong ties to radio. And I think, you know, more as ironically, as podcasts progress, I think they are kind of picking up some of the old ideas of radio and like having commercial breaks and having kind of throw forwards and these kinds of things, I think as right. they kind of get bigger listeners. So there's, right. there's definitely a mutual understanding of the two formats. And, and, and Paul, perhaps just to piggyback on that question, how and when in the majority do people listen to podcasts? Well, I mean, the biggest show in town is still Apple iTunes, right? So that's, okay. I mean, to your point, like it being an elitist format, it's kind of true. Like, um, I mean, we've, We've experimented with um, distributing one of our podcasts over WhatsApp. Um, uh, it's called What's Crap on WhatsApp, and it's a misinformation podcast. So it basically looks at the misinformation um, on like Facebook and WhatsApp, and it produces a six, seven-minute podcast that's released as a voice note. So that was a way to kind of try and break down some of these barriers. So we released it as a very low right. um megabyte voice note and it kind of goes directly to people's phones so that means they don't have to kind of jump over the hurdles of, of downloading a podcasting app if they don't have one or kind of um, negotiating with itunes and all those sorts of things so that was one example where we tried to kind of kind of get over that but there it is still something that people have to kind of um uh you know they're kind of they, they really have to um negotiate with in terms of to get the content Right. Paul, also, I think it was a Reuters survey that basically showed that in South Africa and in Kenya specifically, podcasts did seem to appeal more to a sort of elite, more educated and urban audience. How do you think can one ensure that podcasting uh, sort of reaches out, not only across communities, but also across Well, Africa? I think part of that is language, right? I mean, most podcasts are still right. produced in English, even in... Even in a place like South Africa, they're still produced in English, and I think that that's yeah. once that changes, I think that hurdle will start to be stepped over. Um, and I think radio stations, which I used to work in quite a lot, I think that the way that we would be able to bring podcasting to more people is if those radio stations took on podcasting as an as a project for them to pursue, which is kind of how like Seven O Two and like Prime Media stations in South Africa, they've kind of really taken that on board and producing their own podcasts and promoting them in that way. And I think that's helped a great deal. So I think if we saw um, uh, like local radio stations, even if it just started, like I said at the beginning, if it started doing them with just putting certain shows on as podcasts, which I've approached a number of radio stations, community radio stations in the past to try and start this initiative, because I think it would right. be a really interesting way to, I mean, they've, they've kind of fallen into the streaming radio um, sort of gap, which is kind of past, you know, it's kind of come and gone without anyone really registering it. But what about the sustainability issue? Um, you know, with media as a whole dealing with this issue across the board, um, what about podcasts? Do advertisers, are they keen to come on board? Uh, is it primarily something that is funded? And also just perhaps to what, how or what do you see as the primary role of podcasts? Is it in news reporting? Is it in terms of advocacy? Is it in terms of also journalism training? Uh, if you could, if you don't mind me putting those two questions sure. in one. Um, yeah, I think the sustainability model is really interesting. And it's something at volume that we think about a lot. I mean, ultimately, what advertisers are still 
very resistant to come to um, podcasting. Um, and also that the numbers are often not large enough compared to the radio and compared to what advertisers are. There's a bit of a problem with that. Um, I think what we're finding is that um, them being funded by, so at volume, we um, we take on clients, which are usually large NGOs, and we build a podcast for them from scratch. So we're finding that that, so that's a kind of in, indirectly donor funded. So we're finding that that's right. a, a model that works for us. And I think a lot of podcasting companies in the industry are finding that they're kind of balancing their journalistic content and producing that um, with help from these paid for podcasts. And I think that that's something that's, um, you know, and, and in some ways it's kind of sponsored content, but we try and like bring enough editorial integrity uh, and kind of our own like angle to things that it's not just straight sponsored content that it's actually like producing it for uh, an organization that we otherwise would also be interested in producing we're just doing it with a funded backer um and i think that that's something that the podcasting companies can think of more and more um yeah in terms of advertising i think it's still a long road i think that like they they still needs to be those kind of big breakout shows that can kind of gather right. enough advertising in order to make it successful and a bigger audience of course and and paul what about a youth audience i see that again according to the one ifra uh, a study uh, it is youth rather than the elders that it into podcasts. Uh, that is, I would think, in a European context. Um, is this true in Africa, do you think? or uh, Because it seems to me youth like interactivity, and they don't necessarily like to be talked at, much as the way newspapers are accused of doing nowadays. So is it likely that podcasting in Africa is likely to attract a youth audience in future? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's an organization called the Children's Radio Foundation, which are do fantastic work in community radio and they've actually started um a kind of branched off podcasting arm called um uh called the radio workshop i think and they're producing exclusively for youth market with youth reporters so they're doing something really exciting in that they're kind of using their backbone of youth reporters in the community radio sector to then produce high quality podcasts so they're kind of very well produced kind of in the npr model of with lots of writing and editing and producing right. um but for an african youth market and they're, they're kind of gambling everything on that and i think it's a really good bet i think it's something that's like really interesting and, and really could be quite successful Interesting. And also um, at the, I think it was at the Digital Media um, Africa Conference, someone described podcasting as one brick in the wall and not a silver bullet to solve problems of the media industry. Care to no, share no. a few thoughts on that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's going <laughs> to solve the media industry. I think, I mean, it'd be interesting. I'd love to hear the argument for that. Um, uh, at the same time, I think it's something that's, um, you know, it's it's also there is a certain amount of freedom in podcasting, which I think is quite exciting. So I think I think the reason why we've seen this absurgence, um, you know, and people a lot of people who have worked in radio feeling that they want to move into podcasts is because they can kind of play with formats and change things. And I think that's why listeners, especially internationally, are also responding to it. You know, there's not just the kind of Netflix convenience, I can listen to this anytime. There's also a kind of sense that I can kind of get something out of this that that I wouldn't be able to get on radio. Um, right. And I think, I think, you know, I think hopefully what we'd like to see is that 
Um, I know you mentioned at the beginning this idea of, of getting your podcast on radio as well. And we uh, initially, when we launched um, our first season of Alibi, which was our investigative series, we released it on SAFM as well, because back then I was convinced that no one would listen to this as a podcast in, yes. in sort of an African market. And the only way we would get a listenership is if we um, managed to get it on some on a large platform like SAFM or something like that. And that was kind of true for the time, but we we were pleasantly surprised in that we saw people pick it up and then we released the second season that had a built-in audience. So I think that there it's a slow burn, right? And I don't think it's yes. going to save the media industry. I don't know how right. you could do that, but there's <laughs> definitely growth, which is exciting. Like you said, like it's definitely an industry which is growing, uh, where we're seeing a lot of parts of the media industry um, retracting. So there is that. Right. And perhaps, Paul, last question, just to add to that, you know, the Free Speak uh, podcasts that I host for the Namibia Trust are mainly media focused. So it seems to attract obviously a specific interest group who are interested in all. Uh, are really, what, what is popular? What do people really want to listen to in terms of podcasts um, and those that you've put out? What were the ones that really made a difference? Uh, what is the appetite, if, if you like, for podcasting? I know, for example, um, and it's just an aside, but Peter uh, Deslas always says when he listens to mine on the treadmill, uh, when he goes to the gym for 20 minutes. So again, I suppose the appetite for what you're listening to in terms of podcasts also depends on where you are and what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that's a good point. I mean, I think we try and make our podcasts um, like 30 minutes maximum. I know there is an appetite for much longer podcasts, like I said, but we right. try and keep them at about 20 to 30 minutes because we kind of feel that people listen to a podcast while they're doing something. So so it's like while they're on the treadmill or when they're doing the washing up or while they're doing their commute. And we try and keep it contained in that way so they can feel they can put on an episode and just um, and just get it like in that snack. I think also what helps a lot is something that's focused. You which is about whistleblowers in Africa. And we did that in with Plav. And I think that that's something that people have really responded to because it feels like um, focused, like it's, oh, they know what they get and they know um, what, what we're going to be talking about. The thing with podcasts is that with every podcast you release, you're basically starting from scratch. So you're kind of like, it's a new feed, it's a new topic, and maybe you might have a good following on one podcast, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to migrate. And that means you might start, like it's just like releasing something into the ether and you're not really sure if it's going to take. So we've thought about it in a number of different ways. And what we're um, playing with now is a, a kind of membership program for volume as a whole. So that you'll see that with a number of podcasting companies around the world is that, so basically people kind of join as a member with a newsletter and they they kind of you get the people that are like maybe a reasonably small amount but people that are very excited about what you're doing and you bring them into a membership program and then you feed them your new podcast and at least they they arrive with a with a some sort of small base and i think that that's important i mean what we've really found is that we um do reasonable amounts of social media and on Twitter and something can kind of really blow up with a lot of retweets. But when you look through the analytics, you find that the retweets don't 
often translate into listens because what people are usually doing when they're on Twitter is just like scrolling and clicking and liking. They're not like sitting down to the place where they want to listen exactly. to a 30 minute podcast. So, I mean, what you really have to do is you have to, you have to meet people where they're listening. So to get on like iTunes is um, like best of or new and noteworthy um, carousels. That's really how you boost your, you boost your listenership. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind, of, it's kind of not as um, romantic as I'd like it to be, but like really kind of just getting people's eyeballs in front of that cover image and making sure that cover image is really strong in like a basic marketing way is really how you can kind of build your audience. Because if the content is good, once once you've got a, a, a certain amount of listeners, then they will recommend and hopefully a word by mouth kind of success will happen. But you just to get out of that starting block is really difficult. Like it's, it's really hard to get that traction going. Absolutely. Maybe I could add to that, Marcus. Sure. Um, just to say that, you know, again, with the free speak, we are mainly sort of media oriented. So, again, it's a fairly small, specific audience um, in terms of journalism, really. But what we've done recently is we have been approached by a local commercial radio station, and they're now putting those podcasts out, which is nice because it then means that media, because often we don't want to be talking just to ourselves. We really want the world to know how, how important media is. So that's quite encouraging that we're getting a slightly bigger audience now because we are being... Um, put on by a local radio station. So that's helpful as well. It reaches a wider audience. Because what uh, Paul said earlier, I think if you talk to the uninitiated about podcasts, I think their first question would be, where do I get these things and how mm. do I get them? And of course, we don't have Spotify here in this part of the world. So again, I think it's if we help to, to, to perhaps educate people where to look for podcasts, as you say, iTunes, whether it's SoundCloud or whatever, that would be more helpful to perhaps spreading the mm. good word about them. Okay, very, very good. I think we can all agree there's not this one solution in the easy way, or as Paul called it, the romantic way, but there are always different ways and uh, different approaches. Thanks a lot. Um, Chloe, you have another question for us? Hi, Paul and Gwen. Thank you so much uh, for the input so far. Paul, I just wanted to follow up a little bit on your comments about what's crap on WhatsApp. Uh, which we have been listening to here in Zimbabwe and being very inspired by it. Oh, thanks. Um, you mentioned that uh, that's through the kind of, oh, there's a wasp in my desk, um, WhatsApp voice note style. And you didn't really give much comment on how successful you had found that as a distribution mechanism. And we're about to pilot five different forms of podcasts on WhatsApp. And so we'd love to know a little bit more about oh, that. Oh, great. Distribution channel. Cool. I would love to. I, I'm really excited for you. That's great. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, what was interesting about What's Crap and WhatsApp is that it, it took off and we got a lot of media attention to it. Um, and we still do it manually. So um, we still do it with broadcast lists. So we like, you know, there was a lot of talk around building a back end. And, but the trouble is, is Facebook, who owns WhatsApp, they tend to um, move the um, goalposts quite a lot. So we weren't sure if we spent all this money building a backend that they might just change it and then our backend wouldn't work. So that would be that it would automate the, the sending of the podcast over WhatsApp. So what we've done is we, we have an intern with our partner, Africa Check, and she just works on the phone 
it's just this phone that's you know feels like it's about to set on fire and it just she just sends all the voice notes out, out over broadcast lists and it worked i think currently we have just over 6000 subscribers um so they have to put um they have to put their um Mess they have to put their phone our phone number in their phone and then send us a message in order to, to subscribe so i assume you'll do it the same way um but it's a very interesting format i mean i would really encourage it i think what worked with what's crap and whatsapp was the fact that like it's about happening it's about what's going on in on whatsapp so it felt like very elegant in the, the fact that it was um like a closed circuit so it kind of had the sense of like okay this is about whatsapp and it's that's why i'm listening to it on whatsapp but i think like i said earlier like if you're trying to bridge certain ways um and trying to get over this hurdle of having to use itunes i think whatsapp distribution is really interesting and i'd love to hear more about it when you get it going very good thanks a lot we have another question from zoe hi paul can you hear me i can hear you hi zoe hi paul um, I know Gwen absolutely hates that uh, because I always insist that we record, visually record uh, all the podcasts as well. Um, so my, um, uh, I think my question relates to podcasts and audiences. Um, we have noted that um, when we put our podcasts on YouTube as well, uh, we get a much younger listenership. Uh, for those podcasts, it probably refers to the platform that we're using, YouTube, uh, for example. But it seems that young people still want, or yeah, young people still want the visual stimulation, and and are uh, yeah demanding something more than just the audio. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is we've we've made kind of a conscious decision not we, we do put some of our podcasts on YouTube, but really just with a static image. Um, so we are aware of that and we are putting them on YouTube and kind of, you know, hoping that that algorithm picks up a few episodes here and there. But we don't have the capacity to produce like videos that would go along with our podcasts, you know, so I um, we don't have really the infrastructure to to like video record our podcast right. if they're like kind of live discussions and um you know we we sort of made a decision that we were going to just focus on the audio because it was really a capacity issue i mean i'm totally aware that people especially younger people want this kind of visual stimulation and they they, they sort of crave that but um for us it really became about resources so i think if people can kind of do that and they can you know a lot of podcasts do well in terms of uh, producing a video version, especially if it's two people chatting in a studio, people want to watch those people talk. Um, I think they should go for it. And I think that that's gr a great thing to put on YouTube. For us, it was it's just a resource matter. Very good. Thanks a lot. Are there more questions? Then please ask them now. And no worries, we will have Paul later in the afternoon session as well. Um, and while we're waiting for a question, maybe to all of you, it would be great as a shared knowledge resource if you could all just please post your favorite podcast to the WhatsApp group, if you have one. And we have a shared knowledge resource. And I see Peter, you have a question? Yes, I wanted to ask whether um, or what, what Paul and Gwen has a role for podcasting and journalism education. So should we really focus on training more journalists on podcasts or is there even a role for podcasting as a tool for journalism education? Paul, maybe do you want to start and I'll take up? Sure. 
Um, I, th- I think there is definitely a role in that. We, we did a podcast uh, about a month ago for PATA, who are an NGO, and, and it was for healthcare workers, basically produced by healthcare workers for other healthcare workers, and they distributed that on their WhatsApp groups. It also went out as a regular podcast, but the whole idea of it was to educate, like a peer education um, sort of mechanism. And, and it was to sort of, you know, these people have very busy days, and it was to sort of, instead of doing like a, um, like a training workshop, the idea was to kind of get these lessons into a podcast format, have it being told by their peers, and then so they could listen to it um, in, in the sort of gaps between their work schedule. And I think that worked pretty well. We got pretty good feedback on that. And I think there's, there's definitely something um, in that, in that you could kind of do all manner of different kinds of education, right. I think, with the podcasting format. Yeah, maybe just to add to that, I agree 100%. And I think, Peter, there's a lot of potential um, for journalism education in, in podcast, through podcasting. And I think uh, Paul hit, hit the nail on the head in terms of we often find where we do physical um, journalism training sessions that often, you know, the newsroom calls and off they go to cover a story. They're not there 24-7. They miss uh, uh, key sessions. And it's very frustrating. But a podcast is there, you know, they can pick on a, up on it at any time. And especially if they're shorter segments, because again, we've got to look at attention spans. Um, I think that would be a, a, a wonderful resource, if you like, for journalists. And it stands the test of time. So I'm very much in favor of that. <laughs> 